On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, Sue tells a story about people who are just dog park friends, only dog park friends. My fraternity brothers from 35 years ago were in town, and I've got stories to tell. Plus, actor T.R. Knight from The Flight Attendant on HBO Max joins us. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or at stevemason.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob and Ronnie. Accident or injury, call Jacob and Ronnie. Call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Everybody, welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinsky. Um, in a previous take, I said we're going to always go with take one, but we immediately <laughs> are going to do a take two, Sue. So I did not stick by my word that we would only go with a take one. Yes, and I would bet on that every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> take two. We did not like take one, but this is going to be a great one. Tr Knight is going to join us from the flight attendant coming up for you. So what do you got there, Sue? So I went to a uh, a party uh, over the weekend, um, and I and I, I knew the people throwing the party, but I didn't know anybody else, you know, who was there. And um, turned out it was it was just like an intimate get together, um, actually celebrating the life of someone um, that we mutually knew who had passed away. And it wasn't sad or anything; it was just a really, really cool, great night. Nice. And um, Tom and I had there was a couple there that Tom and I um, just really bonded with. And, um, you know, we're, you know, drinking, smoking a little weed. And at the end of the night, we, the four of us walked out together and, um, Tom actually looked at the couple and he said, you know, it'd be, you know, kind of cool if we like, you know, get together, like, you know, you know, again. You yeah. Know? Right. Right. And, you know, they were kind of looking at it, at, at, at us. And then Tom says, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that. I'm trying to ask you guys out on a date you know, <laughs> as a couple, right? Yeah, right. And and they were totally, totally into it. But I wanted to a- ask you with one, have you ever been in a situation where someone wanted to socialize with you? Yes. Again, and you totally were not into it. Totally not into it. Because I, I just want to share a, a, a story Years ago, when I was with Kenny, we used to go to the dog park all the time. Yes. And there was a couple that we befriended mm-hmm. and ended up seeing them outside the dog park. And they were really cool. So there was another couple. So then I guess like the following week we were there, there was an, uh, another couple um, who wanted to be friends with us. Like they pursued us. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny was like totally not into it. And he looks at me and he says, all right, I'm just going to have to tell them that the part of the couple that we're friends with in the dog park <laughs> has been cast. <laughs> <laughs> so we totally, we, we totally just like blew them off. Yeah. And, and you know, and then it was kind of awkward seeing. I'm them sure there. it was awkward after that, but have they, you made, ever, they, they put themselves out there and I know, down. I rough, know, I know, yeah. I know. So um, have, yeah, have I you, guess that, I, yeah. I get stuff like that. I get stuff like that. I'm trying to think of an exact circumstance. Uh, you know, my golf, the guy that was teaching me golf, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to say his name, Derek, but <laughs> he wanted to see me away from the court. Like, let's go out and get a beer. Right. No, you're my golf teacher friend. I don't really want to go get a beer. So it's like that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like people that cross. I mean, it's, it's an imagine, but they cross the line. So it's in other words, you're, you're golf. You're not my life. Yeah. 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 So that's why it sounds like uh, your friends, there were more dog park friends than they were friends, friends. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it, it's happened at work, you know, with people, it's like, you know, you're kind of my work friend, you know? Um, but then there are some work friends that do make the cut. Correct. Yes. 
Yes. And it's, and, 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 and I, and it's and, awkward when you choose one and not the other. Yes, because then they see that you've kind of chosen those people. Like sometimes, like like even with my uh, the, like the people in my running group, um, I I really really like uh, you know everybody in my running group, but not everybody in my running group do I see outside my running group. Right. But there right. are some people that I actually do socialize socialize with. with yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh God, I I like brought up something that we did together in front of the people that I'm. Not doing anything with, (laughs) but, but it's not like, it's not like they've pursued it. And I said, no, it's just that they're, they haven't been included. Boy, they say the dating scene is tough. The friend scene is apparently (laughs) tough. That is rough. That is rough. So speaking of friends, I want to get this in there. I had my uh, five day weekend, four day weekend with my fraternity brothers from 35 years ago. Sue, how do you think it went? I think it went fantastically. It did. It went fantastically. It was awesome. Um, The one thing that jumped out at me more than anything else was people don't change. Hmm. Like in a lot of ways, they were the same. Each one of them was the same guy that I knew 35 years ago. Like I wasn't surprised by like, I can't believe you did that. There wasn't, I can't believe you're like this. No, everybody was, was then who they are now, which made it really easy and seamless to get together and hang out because we all played exactly the same roles in the group that we played 35 years ago. It was fascinating. Well, that's really cool because I'm sure, I mean, I don't know, but did you have any concern like, oh God, I haven't seen these people in so long. Oh yeah. I didn't uh, know what we, to expect. Is, is it going to be fun? I mean, is, is someone, did someone get weird? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean. Everybody know. although I'll tell you this much. I mean, I, we don't do politics on the show, but I think, you know, how I feel politically. And at one point, um, one of the guys looked at me and said, uh, yeah, you know, I start my day with Maria Bartiroma. That's my girl. I'm like, oh, I want to say something. I want to say, didn't say a thing. And what point in the weekend did did he divulge that? I mean, the last night. Oh, okay. So you were having like a great, great time with him. Yeah, and then then all of a sudden sudden, here comes Maria Bartiroma. Exactly, exactly. And was that completely shocking? I I knew that. I wouldn't necessarily share politics with these guys. And we steered clear of it in a way. It's kind of proof that you can have a friendship or have a get together with somebody who differs with you politically and you can still have a good time. No, what I'm saying is that after spending all that time with this person, when he said that to you, were you like, Ooh, no, like I was having such a great time. Not that you wouldn't have a great time with him anyway, but was it surprising based on, on, on the time that you spent with him that he was into? No, it was was not a surprise. Okay. It was not a surprise. Yeah. It was really fascinating though. And the other thing is, so we go to a steakhouse and uh, one of the guys orders his steak medium rare plus. Now, have you ever heard of medium rare plus? No. What's the point? It's just, just kill it and bring it on the table. Medium rare plus would be medium. Oh, medium rare. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Right. Medium rare plus. No, no, never heard that. So what he's suggesting is that there is a spot between medium rare and medium that exists that is called medium rare plus. And I'm, I said, well, what's the difference between that and medium minus? Wouldn't medium minus and medium rare plus be exactly the same thing? Yes. See, I just think, I, I just think medium rare plus was a made up thing. I don't think it's real. Now you, you Google it and somebody will say, oh yeah, there's medium rare plus. Medium rare plus is medium. Have you, did you Google it to see if it actually yeah, exists? It's, it's there. Really? Yeah, it's there. It's stupid. The waiter, by the way, was totally arguing with him. <laughs> like, like this waiter's like, no, we serve a true medium. We don't serve medium rare plus. And they actually went back and forth a little bit. So it became a joke for the entire weekend. Uh, medium rare plus. Um, maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's not. If you want medium rare plus, my recommendation order at medium because medium because if you plus the medium rare it will equal medium 
So I guess you could probably do that with everything. It's like, you know, like and love, like I like, like minus or like plus. <laughs> like minus. love minus, love, love, love minus. plus, exactly. love minus actually. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So uh, anyway, our guest today got his big break with Grey's Anatomy back in 2005. He received an Emmy nomination for his performance as Dr. George O'Malley. He is a lifetime theater actor, having appeared on Broadway with Patti Lapone and Noises Off, Patrick Stewart and David Mamet's A Life in the Theater, and on and on. His latest project is The Flight Attendant on HBO Max. He co-stars with Kaylee Cuoco. T.R. Knight joins us. T.R., thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for inviting me. So we will definitely talk about The Flight Attendant, which is one of my favorite shows on TV. But I want to ask about your, your earliest work. Like, you pick up from Minneapolis, you go to New York, your first Broadway job was opposite the Patty Lapone in yep. Noises Off. How long was it between when you got off the bus in Manhattan and you got on stage with Patty Lapone? <laughs> uh, three years, I think it was. Because I think I was, I was 25 when I moved uh, from Minneapolis. And then uh, I was, uh, uh, yeah, I was 28 when I uh, did Noises Off, when we started it. So what was going on during that time? Auditioning, going from meeting to meeting. How did that go? Oh, yeah. A lot of auditions. I did some plays. Uh, I, um, you know, some, some good times, some hard times. Uh, I, I think I got dropped by an agent. My, yes, I got dropped by my agent in that three year span of time. And, um, yeah, I was not, it wasn't, it wasn't looking great before the, before noises off. It was a, it was a real change. I got invited back to, cause I used to work at the Guthrie theater in Minneapolis, which mm-hmm. is our, you know, regional theater. And, uh, I was doing Amadeus there and, uh, I got invited back to do there. New York wasn't at that point, wasn't going so great. Uh, and so I was just like, I don't know, maybe I should just, maybe this should. And the, uh, casting director for noises off, his name is Jim Carnahan. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of the roundabout uh, 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 theater uh, casting too. Anyway, he I was a reader for him in the lean times. So other people were coming in and I was, uh, and that was months. And so he called me up in Minneapolis and said, I think you should audition for this. I think it might be a match. And I was like, but I can't leave Amadeus. They were nice enough to have me back. It's a dream role. And I'm not good anymore of these. And so I was, uh, so anyway, so longer story long, I, uh, I, um, he just said, don't worry about all that. Just get here. I was like, I can't, I can't make the callback because we have shows. I can only make the Monday audition because, you know, Monday's the dark day. Right. And so he was just like, just beg, borrow and steal a ticket, get here. Don't worry about the rest. And, uh, he was right. And so, and, and I somehow, I, I think because he, not somehow. I think because he stood up for me and uh, vouched for me, uh, that's the only reason I have the role. Hmm. Um, and it was um, it was a great experience. It was a crazy experience. But Michael Frayn, as you know, is he's a you know he's a genius, and yep. uh, that that uh, that play is arguably the best farce there is. And it was um, it was a yeah. It was it was a great year. It was a it was a our first uh, rehearsal for that was um, uh, the day of the, of the attack. On oh, the really? Oh so my God! I remember getting a call. I was ironing my shirt or badly, and my friend uh, Mary Louise Burke, who's an actress in New York, she was also starting rehearsals for a different show that day, and she said something's going on downtown. Leave early because she knew wow. I had intensity to you know leave things to the last minute. So, uh, and knowing no idea what was going on. And so, yeah. And so it was just, we were, I was around a bunch of strangers and we were, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what was happening. Uh, we were, uh, our rehearsal spaces on 19th street, uh, sure, right downtown. Near, wow. Right near the water. So we saw, so anyway, not to get anyway, but so that was, it was, uh, and then, so we didn't know if it was going to go forward. We didn't know, you know, and you felt helpless because you felt like, why am I an actor? Why am I an actor when the world's falling apart? What is, what, what can I possibly do? They eventually decided to do the show. And it was interesting. It was like, uh, the reaction to the show is, I don't think so much. Well, Michael Frayn, his writing is amazing, but I think it was just, I think the reaction to the show was because people needed a, a release because it was that kind of, um, 
it, it, it was a, a almost this sounds this, this is the wrong way to say it, but it, hopefully you know what I mean. It's like a violent laughter from the audience, yeah, because mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. we were so uh, we were so sad and so destroyed for so long there that and uh, and it was something that at least my generation had never mm-hmm. experienced. You know, sure. I don't think, yeah. So anyway. Anyway, so uh, but yeah, so Jim Carnahan, back to him. He's the he's the like like many times in in my life, the casting director uh, is the person who has stood up and has um, uh, you know you we need that. There's so many of us, and so when you have a casting director who will go to bat for you, it's just the best feeling. And so when that happens every once in a blue moon, it's just uh, it's I, I I'm uh, eternally grateful for it. So what was, that was it a like? long answer, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> Wait a minute. What what <laughs> day like, is it? What day is it? Sorry. Oh, that's, <laughs> no. Wednesday now. Tears, oh. tears of boredom, I see in your eyes. So what was it like your first role on, you know, in New York with Patty Lupone? What was that like? Was was were you intimidated? Um yeah, I mean, it wasn't my first role in New York. I had done a, I had done a, a, a few plays by that point before before I was dropped um, <laughs> by the agent, um, which I'm still I'm not. I mean, I'm totally over. It doesn't <laughs> still bother me. Clearly, clearly, you've moved on. So you know, yeah. Uh, um, I am 49. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it is. Uh, uh, it was intimidating, but there's so many fantastic actors in that, and the like. I said, the play itself is so. The play itself is intimidating. So I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think it was probably because I was younger. I think I'd be more, I think there's a, I had a stupidity that I still have a stupidity, but it's a tiny bit less than it was back then. And I, um, I think I was just so eager and so, uh, incredible. I just didn't think that that was like a Broadway was ever going to happen to me, a Broadway show. And let alone a role that I loved, like Tim Allgood and uh, Michael Frayn had uh, done a new version of it that had just been done in England, and we were doing the American version, where the I played the stage manager Tim, or no, not the stage manager. He's kind of like the stage hand uh, Tim, and uh, he got uh, in between what is it, Acts two and three, where there used to be an intermission because mm-hmm. the stage revolves again, because uh, you see the front and then you see the back and then and you see the front again, so. He uh, he and the director worked together to kind of. I think it was so, so the energy stayed stayed going, so you didn't have another break, and so uh, my character got a curtain speech, and it's like, so you know, a curtain speech by Michael Frayn. Yeah, you know, right. It was just like it was. Um, I, I I I fell into a pot of jam on that one. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, it was great. You know, I went to see. Uh, there's a touring company of Hades Town here in LA right now, which is just great. Just great. Yeah. And all I could think as I watched the show, cause I went to the Saturday matinee, all I could think was damn, and they're going to do it all again in just a couple of hours. What's the rhythm of the theater like for you? The, the, you know, what's it like when the curtain goes down at 10 or whatever, and afterwards, are you up all night? What's it like knowing then you got a next uh, a show the next day or two shows the next day? What's all that like? Amazing. Amazing. Because it's a it's another chance to try to get it right, you know, and to try to maybe that's a little too perfectionist, but to, to do it better. I'll say that. And so that's the thing that uh, drives me um, was that kind of like. You know, there are some, there are some hits, there are some misses. And so you try to, you know, you try to make the misses a little less in the next, the next performance because, um, and that challenge to me has, it is, is fascinating. And, uh, I actually miss it in a, in a filmed performance because in a film performance, you are, you know, your rehearsals are your takes and then, Mm -hmm. then that's it. Then they're moving on. And sometimes there's barely even a rehearsal. So it's the rehearsals, the takes are really like the first time you're fully doing it. So, um, I don't know. I, there's a, there's a, a, a comfort in getting to do it again to getting to, um, uh, yeah, it's just it's honing, right? It's all just kind yeah. of honing, and um, and there was always this. Kind of, it's, it's interesting. There's always this time, like 
depending on how long the run is, uh, at the very end of the run, when all of a sudden you're like <gasps> discovering all these things. And I think it's the body just saying like, you know, it's the body knowing that you're, you're, you're leaving the role and wanting to kind of, you know, and, you know, at least giving you the gift of, 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 of discovery. But, um, that's, that's whether it's a, you know, a year run or a couple uh, months or, you know, uh, it's, a uh, that's just, that's been, that's the joy of it for me. You know, when you're doing live performance, I'm sure, you know, every night is probably a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And when you're not getting the reaction that you were used to getting in, in some of the shows, how does that feel? Does it throw you a little bit? It, 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 yes. Yes and no. I mean, I think because every night is different. So you're not always going to, you're a different person that day. So, and also I think that the, in the best possible circumstances and so there's always going to be a kind of you know an electricity to to it based on the other, where the other actors are where you are and where the audience is so to me though i think it always uh it doesn't throw you in the way it, it just and maybe this is just tell sharing too much of how i am it's just like you i just go to blame myself and it's like oh no you know and then that you go friends afterwards and you know because you're all still you know hyped up afterwards and you discuss it and it's just all very nerdy and all that um but it's uh it's exciting it's again goes to that kind of like you know trying to you know it's uh why didn't this work and what i mean it's like in the sports i imagine if i knew anything about the sports like you know <laughs> I, I love that you put the definite article there the sports <laughs> you know it's 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 you know post post game just you know talking about except you're talking about yourselves and like what you could have done differently and why did that happen and you know i always uh, i think it's a i think it's a very easy thing to blame an audience i think uh, i think it's easier to blame uh, yourself because um because that's something you can control you can't control the audience and it's like and it's checking in with yourself and like for instance not to go back to no, uh, noises off but that was such a great barometer because it's such a perfect uh, perfectly written farce it's it's this tightrope and if you just if it's like something is getting a response from the audience and it's you know they've always done it and all of a sudden you're like what if i push it a little and then all of a sudden crickets and you're like hmm. Oh, you got a little greedy there, didn't you? <laughs> so you have to like rebuild and you're like, Oh, what made this kind of what made this, uh, uh, what made this get the response from the audience? What did they see in it that they saw and was like, Ah, I've been there. I've done that. I've been a fool. I've, I've set myself up for something. And so you kind of have to go back to square one and, and, and rebuild it and then hopefully get it back before you. The show ends. <laughs> the reason why I brought it up is because I did stand up for a very long time and no- notoriously on Friday night, second show was always a very difficult show because people worked all day oh. and earlier, not really a big deal, but that late show was always really hard. And you were saying like it's, it's easy to blame the audience, you know, right? but I did feel that there, there were nights where uh, three people on a bill and the audience just was not digging it, <laughs> you know, and you say that, you know, you, you, you always go to blame yourself as a comedian. If everybody was laughing, but I'd see one person not laughing. Oh no. Yeah. That would be, that's, that would, would be my takeaway. Like I yeah. couldn't get that one person. They were just standing there. They were sitting there with their arms folded and right. didn't crack a smile the entire show. Oh, and it's it's either it's either that that plagues you or you're like, I will, I will, <laughs> I will make you laugh. I will get to you. I will change your molecules. Yeah, it's that. It's um, yeah. And I'm not going to say I, you know, I'm not. Uh, 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 I was uh, I was never guilty of 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 saying you know, of turning it to them and being like, oh, that was just a terror. But I found just it was more helpful for me in, in the better part of me uh, uh, to to try to figure out if there is something. But no, there is always something to, you know, if the audience, you know, after some drinks and some tiredness, it's, it's hard. You got to work harder. But then you can't work too hard because then all of a sudden you realize your, you know, droplets of sweat are coming into your eyes and you're like <laughs> really acting. And <laughs> that's not a good thing. Either. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when, you know, you know, if, yeah, yeah. And acting for someone else or acting for, you know, yeah, it's, it's, that's never a good choice either. 
So Grey's Anatomy comes along, huge show, still still running, still running 20 years later. Yeah. Um, when you read the scripts in the early days and you were on the set at the very beginning of things, uh-huh. did you sense you were working on a show that was going to be a big hit? No, not at all. Opposite. Because um, I had just done, after Noises Off, I had done a, a, a show. I got cast in a show called Charlie Lawrence, and it was Nathan Lane and um, Laurie Metcalf. Right. And uh, Stephanie Farisee wow. and Inley and me. So it was another kind of real pot of jam. And, and it was, it was, um, it was a, a multicam. So it was a, that kind of sitcom, uh, kind of, so it had a kind of wonderful blend of theater because you'd performed for an audience and, and you rehearsed a lot. So, uh, kind of a theater and television kind of mix, which I, which I really loved. Um, but that didn't go anywhere. That was a, it, it, unfortunately, that was something that never saw like two episodes saw the light of day. Oh, wow. Even with all those amazing people. Um, and so the way it got pushed, uh, and I can't remember exactly how it is, but it, you know, this, you know, they say that, the, oh, it's going to be this. And then they're going to push it this date. Then they're going to push it this date. Then they're going to, oh, it might not. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is not going to air. So the same thing happened for Grays. We filmed the pilot and then they were going to air it at a certain point. They pushed, pushed, kept on pushing. So because of my limited experience, I was like, oh, it's going to be the same fate. It's going to be hmm. burned off maybe one episode. And uh, yeah, then that's not what happened. So as far as my perspective, that was, it was just going to be the same thing because of course that was my limited, uh, my <laughs> limited gerbil brain. That's all I knew at that point. So why? Cause I think of how many years did you do Grey's Anatomy? Five, five, five. Seasons. So why did you leave? <laughs> I think I think uh, so. Too much ink has been spilled over that. Um, I left. Just I'm just going to say I left for some some reasons that I, it was just the the best uh, decision for me at the time to 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 leave. And I just don't. Yeah, I think enough has been spoken. Or yeah, said. yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Forgive I me you. If, if if you forgive me. Yeah, no. Yeah, let yeah, let yeah, me totally. just do one one follow up here. But I just did. I just did last last season because they're where are they finishing up? They're almost done. Uh, Chandra Wilson, um, uh, who plays Bailey, Doctor Bailey. Yep, who's amazing. Mm-hmm. She was directing her. It was August, I think. It was she was directing her twenty second episode. Believe it or not, amazing. Wow. So I uh, w- I asked her if I could shadow, and they were so nice, and they let me shadow her. Uh, which especially during COVID times, I was so really appreciative of because they could have easily said no. And she is just, as as you can imagine in life and in her art, she is a teacher and she is as generous as you, as she seems. And uh, to be under her wing and to learn from her as a director was uh, incredible. So that was just a nice, uh, anyway, little thing that happened last year. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you um, how much you learned about being a doctor during all the seasons of being on the show. Like, like if I had a deep wound, can you give me stitches? <laughs> oh, it would be pretty. You would be <laughs> pain, pain. Um, let's see. I think that what I learned from that was uh, how much of an educated guess medicine was. And that was surprising to me because because I know nothing about many subjects, but about medicine, definitely. You kind of have this idea that they know everything, they can fix everything, but it's all just based on history and, you know, are the people who've gone before us and their ailments and what has worked, what hasn't worked. And it's a, it's a guesswork. So it's, it's, that's what's really been great because we've got some, you know, we got an older dog right now and we're just dealing with some, you know, medical stuff. And it's how old like, is your dog? She's 15. Our 15. Oldest. What kind yeah, of dog? And a half. She's a pointer kind of, she's a mutt. So she's like a pointer, maybe lab mix, but more pointer. That's oh, a big dog too, because that's, yeah, you know, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Big dog to be 15. I, I had a lab, a mixed lab that was 16 and a half. And oh that's, my gosh. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. I've got a beagle now who turns 16 on the 4th of July. We're actually going to throw her a big party, a sweet 16 party here at the uh, <laughs> We all house. have teenagers. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very, very wait, rare. Is your, wait, is your lab still with us? No, he, he passed oh, away a couple so of years sorry. ago, but, but, oh, six, six, years. but I was, I was just mentioning the age. I'm sorry 16 about and that. Half. 
Thank you. Thank you. But I have a little, I have a little dog that's uh, 15 and change. Oh my gosh. Our 14 and a half year old uh, passed away or died in January. Mm. So it's been, but anyway, so my point was with the, with the, um, with the vet is like, you know, you kind of expect it's like, well, tell us the answer, you know? And it's like, no, it's all guesswork. It's all guesswork. So educated guesses, thank God they're educated. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Mine would not. Yeah. But that's all. Yeah. So that, I think that was my biggest, uh, my biggest takeaway from my years uh, on that, because, you know, so much of acting is, you know, you have to, you've taken the lines, you got to dump because there's limited space in the brain. And some of us have, even more limited space than others. <laughs> so, you know, you need to dump those lines and you need to dump that, you know, because more is coming in. So now you're on Flight Attendant, which I love. Uh, it's oh, such good. a good, oh, good show. And I love, I love uh, the, the, the Hitchcock feel that oh, the yeah. show has got. I mean, I love the opening credits. Uh, it feels like uh, Vertigo. It feels like Rear Window. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you know that that was sort of the vibe of the show when you were shooting it? No, I don't think so. Because I think last, uh, this season was very different for me than last season. Because uh, I think last season and the Davies role was to be, uh, was different his, than, than this season. So I think I, what, what's a, what was challenging in a great way for me was to figure out the tone of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it has, it has elements of everything. Um, and so to, you know, it was just a constant check-in with the creator, Steve Yaki, who's great. And so uh, um, generous uh, to just try to, you know, to make sure that, you know, the, it was, uh, it was in line with what he wanted. And I, cause I think, you know, so much of that, um, uh, especially so much of that is, is, you know, outside my purview, I come and I have to do my, you know, it's not like theater where you get, you know, you're all part of it and you're all, you know, you're all, you're all on board through the entire time. You all know, regardless of the size of the role, you're all there. You're all uh, subject to it. So with a filmed uh, performance, either in film or television, you just come in and do your, your, your little, part uh sometimes they're bigger sometimes they're smaller but they still are um um, separate you know what i mean from Mm -hmm. everything else so uh that's when you have you know you have to lean on you know the director the showrunner to to guide you um and um but especially that first season you know um i think davy's davy my role was uh he was his element he he it was about him being consumed with, you know, his, his sister's problems, his problems too. But uh, it's also when you have, uh, when your problems seem insurmountable, it's, it's very easy to look at someone who you perceive as being worse off and trying to correct them. Mm-hmm. And that's very much, you know, I thought, I thought what Davey was trying to do in, in the first, no matter how messed up he was as well. He was like, ah, she's more messed up. So I'm going to try to fix her. I'm going to try to fix her. And it's just a, you know, and that bleeds a little bit into, into uh, season two as well, but it's just, uh, it's not, um, it's not helpful. Um, but anyway, I guess I'm again, sorry, uh, I digress. Going back to the tone, I think that was just checking in with them because that was just, it's a remarkable uh, feat, I think, to pull off uh, a thriller, a drama, a comedy, sometimes almost slapstick. Um, you know, when we were, uh, you know, when we were like running, at one point we run from the North Korean mob, as you do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and they had set up this pad to do this kind of like pratfall in the snow and everything. So it's like, you go from that to, you know, these, you know, very uh, rough scenes, uh, you know, to graveyard, you know. And so it's um, it's fun to do. It's fun to try to um, navigate that and and see if, you know, uh, you know, and, and hopefully they're, you know, the powers that be are happy with it. So to answer your question at all, or is that just again? Yeah, no, I think you got, I think you got to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so with, with two main characters that you've played, um, George O'Malley and, and now Davey, you've had like challenging, um, relationships with your siblings. Um, cause the backstory I know with George O'Malley with your brothers and you know, yeah. making fun of you or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. 
So where, where do you find the truth in these characters? I mean, uh, I have no, no idea what your upbringing was, but where do you find the perfect upbringing. You're an actor. I know it's not. But where, 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 do, you, where do you find this? Growing where do you find up gay this? in a Catholic school. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Sunshine. There were roses. Um, yeah. No, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to play. I mean, that's it's just more fun to play those kind of, uh, uh, you know, we're all damaged. So it's more fun to play that than, uh, you know, the, you know, kind of like pretending the damage isn't there, I guess is how I like to say it, but I guess it's true. It's like also, uh, I, I played, uh, uh, Mireille Enos's brother on the catch for a little bit and she was amazing to work with as well. Mm-hmm. Loved her. Loved her since I saw her on Broadway, uh, in, um, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Hmm. She was, her honey was, I've never seen someone play honey like she had played it. It, hmm. was, it. it was amazing. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the, the damage is, is just something that it's fun to explore. It's fun to hide behind. It's, it's, um, there's, um, you know, and everyone's level or degree of it is different. So, um, you know, I think, you know, whereas like Davey, his, you know, his, you know, his, the issues he had in his life were much, are much deeper with his father, with, you know, with both his father and sister's alcoholism, with his, his, his mother's um, um, kind of, you know, uh, distancing approach to the entire thing and, and the kind of searching for love from her, you know, was very different. George had it really easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, he was comparatively, he was teased uh, by his brothers, but it wasn't in that way of, you know, I mean, frankly, it was just, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, George wasn't gay and, and Davey is, I mean, that, that says a lot. Yeah. Says- yeah. So every time I watch flight attendant um, and they're on the plane, it reminds me about how terrible uh, the flying experience has, has become it. I, I think it's gotten really bad. New meal service. You got to pay for a soggy wrap at United. Uh, you got like no leg room. You don't like the soggy wraps? No, the soggy wraps. I cannot. Mm, is weird. there, is that That's your weird. experience flying right now? Um, I haven't. Fl- when did I last fly? I flew in. I flew in December of last year. So I mean, wow. I so, um, but I don't know. It's, it's with COVID and all, it's just kind of like, this is what I do. So some may think it's insane, but with the COVID and all and the not, there's just so much we didn't know. So I just do the double mask Mm -hmm. and I do the dehydration. What's the dehydration? You dehydrate yourself so you don't have to use. Oh, got it. So, because you want to avoid the COVID plume. As we call it in the household, Um, but no, it's just you know I don't know. It's has your has your home successfully dodged COVID? No, because I got it from that flight. (laughs) From that that flight. flight. (laughs) From that trip. From that trip. I got it in December. I went to New York, and it was just I. I really wanted to make sure I got COVID, so I waited until Omicron was just or Omicron, (laughs) how we say, was just hitting, and I was like, "That's when I'm going to go to New York." Nice. See my friends play. And support them. So then, so yeah, so I came back, got, thankfully, I didn't give it to my husband, and then called all my friends that I saw. And to a person, they all swore they didn't get it. Now, are some of my friends lying to me? I don't know. I hope not. I hope that, but I think they probably know how much it would affect me and bother me if they, you know. One recently, I just talked to them recently, a friend, and was like, and I still can't believe I didn't give you, give you COVID when I was there because clearly I got it and I didn't know until I landed that I had it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we all were giving each other it at that time. Yeah, right, right, like, sure. It's like, wait, a, that's a different <laughs> answer than you said last time, but... You know, it's kind of like anytime you get sick, you know, you, it's like, you know, especially in the theater, it's like, who brought it in? 
who brought it into the theater, you know, because we all, we all became those people for a while there. Yeah. Did you guys get it? Or if you guys, I did not, you know, everybody I work with got it and I did not. And they really believe that it's because I smoke a lot of weed. There's been, uh, there's been a lot of research that shows that, yeah, there's been a lot of research that shows that cannabis use, um, there's a correlation between that and avoiding COVID. So everybody at work thinks that's why I didn't get it. I have not heard that. Yeah. Sue, have you heard that? Yeah. No, I haven't, but it makes sense. Maybe I'm just telling myself that, by the way, because (laughs) because I smoke a lot of weed. I smoke a lot of pot, so and I haven't gotten it. But you know what's so what's so weird about it too is that I had a, a cold recently, and it was a cold because I tested myself. But I was around people, and like I didn't want people to get freaked out because I was sneezing and I wasn't really coughing, but I was very congested. And you know, people, you know, like if you cough or sneeze in front of someone, now they look oh, at yeah. you like, yeah. oh no, like. Like you're the, like the wolf man or something, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, don't bite me. Yeah. It's not going. It's not going. <laughs> no, but you, but also you forget, uh, I, I did anyway, during this time and that cold still can happen. There's cold yeah. still exists, flu still exists. You, your mind auto- automatically, or mine does anyway, automatically is like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. This is it. You know. But it's just going to be part of our lives for a while. But yeah, I, I it's think it's great so. that maybe you guys, uh, maybe that's the se- secret. Maybe uh, marijuana is the secret. I yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad I, you guys haven't gotten it yet. Yeah. I, you know, it could be, uh, what do they call it? It could be placebo effect. Maybe that's why it's working. With, oh, that it just feels like it is? It, so did, it feels like it because everybody has suggested that it that works. So maybe I'm just right. telling I just use, I, I will say I used to smoke just. Uh, uh, and stupidly, I was a smoker for too many years. And to me, I think that's why I got hit harder uh, because my lungs mm. are just like, we're like, what? no, yeah, you messed yeah. with us so long. You're going <laughs> to, yeah. I want to ask you one last thing. So I work in uh, sports, as you say, <laughs> the sports. sports. Yeah. I work for ESPN. I do know this. Yes. So <laughs> I, basketballs. Yeah, and the basketballs, yes. Yeah. All those things happen. Okay. So I came out on the air in 2014, um, and it's been nothing but a rewarding experience. People have been great. Listeners have been great. Fans have been great. All that stuff. How, is your, how did your life change when you went from uh, – when, when, you, when, you, when you became when – you, when you came out, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask. Well, there are different – like with in your experience, unless you don't want to say, like you came out on air, but correct in, in your life was it exact? Was that at the same time? Everybody knew that I worked. I mean, it happened sort of in right, right. stages, right? First uh-huh. family, then close friends, then friends, then people I work with, and then publicly. Right, right, yeah, and I think I think it's it's probably universal, right? I guess I remember telling my first friend, shaking. When I did probably, and I was like 20, I was older. I was 20, I don't know, 23 maybe. But so there's that version. And then there's like, you can't tell anybody and you can't tell anybody. And you, so as soon as you tell that first person then, and, and, it, and, and you have, and there's a limited, uh, there's limited scope or you want a limited scope. You want to try to control that. But of course that's, it's, it, you don't know it at the time, but you can't control that. You can't right. control it. I remember like, someone mentioning it in front of a group of people that I, uh, you know, maybe five years later or something and, and just being horrified that they, you know, cause it was only who I wanted to tell at the time, so much fear. So I think there is, you know, you work through that in just your personal life. Uh, and then coming out publicly was, you know, that's just a completely different thing that I, you know, had no, uh, you know, doing theater, being raised and doing like I'd been doing theater since I was, a, you know, just out of diapers. So it's like 
being an actor meant just doing theater. So I had no, you know, was not prepared or did not know what it meant to do, you know, perform in front of a huge audience of millions of people versus, you know, just hundreds of people. So I think that was a very different experience. But I will say that once I was able to be out both publicly and privately, the amount of fear that dissipated that the amount of stress and uh, it was just, it was like I was carrying around, I was wearing a coat made of lead, you know, Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. was, and, but so there, there was, and on top of that, there was such fear. There was fear of, you know, in this Hollywood world, would I work again? Theater you knew because you grew up and I saw, you know, it, being gay didn't matter. Yeah. But we know in Hollywood, that's, you know, it's still not, you know, we're getting better. We're getting better here, but it's not great. And so there was a lot of fear that way. But I think it prevented me from being in successful relationships. Mm. I think it prevented me from being definitely from being happier and uh, anyway so i think personally more it was just um it sounds so trite to say a weight lifted doesn't it no no it but it's 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 because it's more than that it's 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 a life it's 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 a, a weight on your life that is just kind of like um um it's with you all the time if, yeah, it's with you all the time, and and, and it's and um, and just being ruled by that fear mm-hmm. is you know, and because what it has done to me is like also it it it, it amplifies the f- other fears as well in life, and that's my lifelong goal to try to kind of tamp down all of those fears because I was raised, you know, if you realize that you're you're first you realize you're different than before you even have a because you're too young to put a a name on it and then you realize oh my god could this be could this be i'm not that but i'm not this you know you're you try to find you know who you are like um you don't see yourself represented anywhere especially during you know both of our uh upbringing you didn't mm-hmm. see what kids thankfully see now when they yeah. see themselves and it's um you know and it's so it, it's it, it's it's hard to know one of the things that's hard about it is hard to know who you are if you don't see yourself yeah right or, right or when you do see yourself represented like i did you know it was uh you know uh the aids epidemic stuff when i was you know that was when i was around 10 so you know you you know, you grew up with that fear, gay men, AIDS. That's just what it meant. Uh, you know, and it still means that to some uneducated people. Um, but it's, it's just, a um, that's, and that, oh, that was another fear that kind of came in to play again. I'm getting off topic and I'm, yeah, no, that's okay. I just, so I, uh, it's funny. I've never told the story, but you said you grew up uh Catholic, went to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, super, super religious when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old. Uh And I would only pray for one thing. And that was that I would not be gay. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I don't mean to, and I don't mean to say, of course, um, I I don't mean to be cavalier about that, but that was, so you knew it that. Oh, Oh, I knew. Yeah. Oh, that just hit, you know, it just, it's so hard. I it's think so about hard. little kid so me now yeah. in the pew yeah. at church saying uh, if if I could just not be gay, what I would what I for God, I would do that. Right. Um, and yeah. it's now I think about little kid me and I'm like, oh, that poor kid. He didn't know that it was all going to turn out. OK. No. And it's 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 that idea. It's it, and it's all those lies that we were told. Mm-hmm. You know, that are still being told. Let's not, you know, let's not pretend it's in the past, but, you know, for some people, it's a little better, but for some people in certain, you know, but again, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter if it's, you know, it's not even an issue of urban versus rural or, or being exposed to certain things. If your family has, you know, you know, if they are 
it's that whole groomer word, that terrible word that's being really used a lot right now. I it's hate like, that. It's like, but mm. it's like, what's, so what are you doing? If that's grooming, what is, you know, it is, it's, what, what are you doing? Why are you, you know, um, uh, t- telling, telling us that we're wrong, we're bad, we're going to hell, you know, uh, do you want us to die? Do you want us to kill ourselves? Yep. Is that your goal with that? Uh, we, you know, anyone who is gay can tell you that the, it, it, you know, it's not something you can switch off. Yep. Uh, all, these, uh, all these straight, mostly men who say, oh, it's a choice. It's like, you just want to ask them. So you, you could choose, you could choose, you could choose to be gay right now. That's a choice for you. And they're sharing a little too much, I think, about yes. their inner, their inner life. If they think it is the choice, it's um, true. But anyway. But I, I think it's I think it's hard. I didn't know at at ten or twelve. I knew I was different. I knew there was. A, I mean, I had a Princess Leia Barbie doll at five. So I mean, mm. the full Kenner one. With mm. the, yeah. So I mean, you're yeah. just kind of like, and the action figures too. But but the actual one with the hair and I. Yeah, that's probably a tell. But, um, but I still <laughs> no. But likewise, I was trying to. I didn't quite know then. I remember it written in our. Uh, I was in middle school. So what was that seventh or eighth grade in, in, in our school? And someone had written, my name is a homosexual on our playground mm. writing. And that was the first time I can remember that I was like, somebody else named it. And that was for me, that was for me, uh, horrifying, horrifying. Yeah. Before that, I think I was, uh, you know, uh, likewise, I was try- I tried to be really good. I was like a reader at church. I was an altar boy. I was. I was also be- a reader at church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah see, the mean- best. I was trying to be the best because there must have been something that uh, in us that knew it's like. I think the priesthood. That's our choice. That's yeah. our. That's our. That's the way we can escape. If I can be so good, if I can be so good at, at you know and be the best. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Um, I don't know what the, I guess that's, I mean, there's so many things in therapy to get to, uh, but that will eventually be on the list once yes. I work down a, a, a few things, but it's, um, but knowing it, so you knew you could put a name on it at 10. Yeah, I could. I could. I knew, I knew it. I knew it. It scared me. I always thought like life was a house of cards and that uh, if, if it was revealed, my life would come tumbling down. Yeah. Yeah, it's a scary feeling. Scary feeling. Right, right. and you and you had girlfriends too. I, mean, I did. So, I had, and I so dated. You, you 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 knew when you were dating women that you like men. Yes, I and I dated women until I was twenty eight. Yeah, so yeah, that's crazy, crazy. Hoping, well, that, hoping hoping that that would hoping that there was a hope that something might click and it might change. Yeah, right. that was the idea. That was the idea. Um, yeah, crazy, crazy. Now it all worked out. Obviously, all worked out for you. All worked out for me. Uh, I, I want to I, I, I ask a, a question because, you know, Steve and I have been friends for over 20 years. And I remember when he told me that he was gay, um, I thought he was like joking with me because oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, what's gay? I mean, you know, like and I even said to him, is it insulting for someone to say you don't seem gay? You know, oh, um, oh. you know, because he was a jock, you know, he was a sports guy. And, you know, as as you know. My my girlfriends, my straight girlfriends and I would always say, you know, there there are guys that are like they're straight gay guys like you don't you can't tell if someone's gay. You couldn't tell. And so um, but I wanted to know, like when you told both of you, when you've told certain people that you were close with, did anybody say to you, um, I, I, I knew. I knew you were like this. This mm. doesn't surprise me. Um, I think I'm trying to, uh, for me, I think, I, I don't think anyone was, everyone, I remember people being kind about it to my family. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. remember that. I mean, I don't think that as much as I, your question goes to kind of like a, you know, you, you hopefully it's changing. Hopefully it's changing. It's changing more, I should say, but this, it still exists. I mean, this idea of what masculinity is, of what mm-hmm. it means to be a guy mm-hmm. and this constant living a life in, in that's part of the fear that y- 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 it's, it, it's a great, it's a great, uh, not a great fear, but it's a, it, your question leads to a great explanation of that fear is of being found out. So it's like walking, 
the way you talk, uh, the way you hold your hands, uh, 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 every aspect, the way you comb your hair, uh, the way you get your hair cut, every aspect is you're watching and you're trying to make sure that uh, even if you don't fall into kind of like that, you know, which I don't really know if, you know, that type, the supposed type A kind of, or, or, or what, what is it? Alpha, alpha kind of, uh, you know, not type A, sorry. Yeah. Brain, brain spasm there. That kind of alpha thing. It's like, you know, if you're, if you're someone like me who is, you know, hobbit sized, who is, you know, not a very, <laughs> not very muscular, let's say. And, you know, you still, I'm still like, I'm still trying to be like, I remember in science class, I was holding up a beaker and some guys all of a sudden pointing to each other because my other hand was, uh, um, was limp as I was holding the beaker. I wasn't, mm. Oh, shoot. I got to make sure. And they were like chuckling with each other. And I was like, oh, shoot. I always have to make sure, make sure my wrists are not ever, you know, it, it, it go down to that kind of yeah. level. So it's like, I don't know who I would be or how I would act, how I would sound. I mean, I still re-record uh, voice messages to my friend if I'm like, oh, I sounded weird. And then, you know, there's a, my weird, there has to be a part of that that means, oh, you sound a little gay. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And then, then I'm, then I was like, then I'm like filled with self hate and then hate myself for being filled with self hate. You know, so it's like this, but you're indoctrinated at a young age that you can't be yourself. Otherwise you're going to be laughed at. You have to be more manly, whatever that means to you. And, uh, I don't know how you can't, you know, not carry that around with you. you yeah. Know? I, 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 what do you think? What was your experience? Yeah. I, th- everything was micro managed on my part. Sort of exactly what you're saying. The idea was no matter what, don't give it away. Mm-hmm. No matter what, don't give it away. And there were any number of, of ways that you could, I mean, I use the word tell cause I, you know, I, I play poker, um, but you've got to watch for the tells and, you know, especially, and I, I did it into my late twenties, you know, there were, there were moments where I was like micromanaging myself to make sure that I didn't give it away, that there was no tell. So it, it was, and, and for me, life just completely opened up. And you said, most people met you with kindness. I, I, everybody has met me with kindness since since I came out. It's been, and I mean, I'm on social media and I work in sports and all that stuff. Never have gotten a, a slur thrown at me on Twitter or on social media. I mean, ever. It's been, the, the world has, has been very kind to me through this process. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. That's great. That's not common. No, it's not. It's definitely not common. Um, hey, so this got really heavy, but um, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, we were dissecting our our lives here. Um, <laughs> I want I want to let people know that the uh, the flight attendant is on HBO Max. It's fantastic. Uh, it's really really fun. Kaylee Cuoco's great. You're great in it. Uh, it's uh, it's a great show. Everybody should check it out. And uh, Tr, most of all, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. We at the beginning we said uh, your friends call you Theo. Or can we call you Theo now? Yes, please do. Please Excellent, do. Please Theo. Do. Thank you, man. Thank you. A, you're welcome. And B, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been really nice talking to you. I hope I didn't uh, bring it down too much. No, no. It's, no, it was great. That's, that's just what podcasts are for. Yeah, it's, cool. it's you know you never know where you know what di- what direction we're going to go in, but it was great conversation. With you, okay. really. Well, I really uh, I, I enjoyed it. And thank you. It's a pleasure meeting you, too. Hope to see you again. And there you have it. There is the Culture Pop Podcast. TR, great guy. Theo, we're allowed to call him now. We did share some pretty, some pretty intimate details there. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, this is something that I, I want to say. Is, you know, when I was growing up, I was a tomboy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a ton of girlfriends. It was, you know, I mean, I had some, but, you know, was, I always hung out with the guys. Right. I had um, G.I. Joe dolls. I didn't have Barbie. Um, I wore boy sneakers. I wore jeans. Um, I cut my hair myself because I wanted to be a boy. 
Um, and, you know, I never got to talk to my mom about it. Mm-hmm. And what made me think about it is that, you know, a lot of kids at a very young age today are want to change their their sex. Right. Well, at there's a very young age. Sure, gender transition gender, is going yeah, on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, I wonder if my mother ever had concerns that I was gay back then. Mm, because interesting. My mother, you know, I mean, I, you know, I was in my 30s. I was, yeah, I was 30 when my mom passed away. But it was something that I never really thought about because the gender change was not happening then. You know, right, right. But I always wondered if she was concerned about that because my sister was very girly. And um, I mean, I, I was a tomboy up until probably, you know, beginning of college. Yeah, you know, pretty yeah, much. sure, sure. So, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a, it was an interesting, very I, I thought it was just really enlightening. And, and I just loved how open um, both of you were. Yeah, um, thanks. Yeah, it was yeah, great. That was good. That was good. Um, hey, listen, uh, yeah, that's a fun show. TR, great guy. Theo, great guy. We appreciate his time a lot. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or at stevemason.com. Thank you very much for listening, Sue. Fantastic seeing you. You too. And we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast.